Well, this morning, I was going to comment on a couple of the songs, but I'm looking at the time, and I just want to get right into the message because they can all apply to some of these points, and I'll let the Holy Spirit do that, and I'll let you think about that as you process. But we're in Haggai, uh, a minor prophet in the Old Testament, toward the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 to 13. And I'm going to do something for time's sake. I, I read the text in first service. I won't read the text uh, just because of time, but I encourage you to read that and to follow along in your, in your Bible app or your Bible if you have that right now. But I'm going to give you a little background of what's happening here in Haggai. And Haggai was written after the Israelites left the Babylonian uh, captivity. And I thought about this captivity and, and the backdrop to this text in the Bible. And we sang that last song, All Your Life, you know, all my life you've been so faithful and your goodness, it, it's always running after me. And it was a great picture of how God has been with his people all along, all along. From the time Adam and Eve rebelled against God, disobeyed him, to when he established the nation of Israel and how his people, if I could honestly say, treated him and how they viewed him. And God kept pursuing them. God had his arms open. He kept running after them. You know why? God had a plan. And when God has a plan, it will come to pass. Always and always it will come to pass. God has a plan. God had a plan for Israel. Israel is still, the Jews are still God's people. When God chose you, he chose you and he meant it. You're still his, no matter what happens. And if I could just share, again, with this little context here, as soon as the Israelites returned from their captivity, because of their rebellion and God had prophesied they would be in this captivity, they returned to their native soil. And the first thing they did is that they laid a foundation for the temple so they could worship. Can I reiterate just how important it is for in-person worship? I'm not disregarding the importance of being careful, and there are concerns. But it's so important all throughout the Bible, being together, congregating as God's people. And they laid their foundation so they could come corporately worship and be together, make sacrifices under the Old Testament system. But they're there. And all of this they did. They put the foundation up. And then for 16 years, 16 years, 16 years, they did nothing. Nothing. The foundation is laid, and then nothing happened. I don't know. Maybe they put a timber down for a footer on top of the foundation. I have no idea. They did nothing, essentially. 16 years. And now God, through the prophet Haggai, calls them out on it. And it's not, he's not mad at them, like we think. Or, but he's not pleased. He's disappointed, I suppose, if I could use that word, because he wants them to be active in doing his work and what they're supposed to do in establishing this temple and building this temple for him. And the people have an improper attitude in the rebuilding of the temple. And instead, they continue and they've got distracted on working on bettering their own personal lives in a myriad of ways. That's what they focused on. And there's a phrase that's used five times in two chapters in Haggai, and it's this. Consider your ways. The NIV says, give careful thought to your ways. And actually, the literal translation means set your heart on your ways. Put your heart there deep. Think about it. Process. Where are you going? Where will you be going? What are you doing right now? Why are you so distracted? Now, 
This whole situation with COVID and all the uncertainty that we have has certainly been a huge distraction and disappointment and, well, frustrating and all of the adjectives for a lot of us, right, in different ways. And yet, we continue to worship God, right? We will continue to do that on an individual basis and corporately. But when we have these frustrations and these distractions, don't forget about the importance of doing the Lord's work and not just yours. Not just yours. Now, I know I'm probably speaking to a lot of you who are believers. I'm speaking to the choir. You might be thinking that. Still, I want this to serve, my intention is that this would serve as a reminder, as something to challenge you to reevaluate where you're at. You know why? Because during this whole crisis, for so many people that I've talked to and others I've observed after I've talked to them, they have become, can I be honest? They've become complacent. They have become comfortable. They have found ways to just coast through and I can isolate now or I can do this through other means or, and, and connect in different ways. And yet there is a missing dynamic in their lives, which I believe is affecting their growth in the Lord. I'm not saying it to everybody. I'm just making a statement here from observation. But there's a parallel here where God's people were in captivity for 70 years. They go back, they have their permission from King Cyrus, and they build their temple foundation. Then they get distracted and they forget about it. Let me ask you a question. How many things or how many times in your life have you been in phases or seasons where you've been in captivity? And some of them is because, as Muffy said, God knew and God allowed it and God was trying to get your attention and maybe he was even disciplining you, I don't know, to get you back on the right track. Oh, you were his all along. But you were in captivity to whatever that was. Maybe it was a person. Maybe it was a substance. Whatever that finances, whatever it may have been, but you were in captivity. Then you get out of it again. And it's so funny how when you look at church history, you look at God, the history of God's people in the, in the Bible, there are so many things that are cyclical. And yet, in Hebrews, we are told that these things are written to us so that we don't repeat it, but then we repeat it all over again. Me too. It's frustrating. I know, because it happens to me. But we're not supposed to. We always use that as an excuse for why and how it's okay that we keep falling into the same traps or, or falling into captivities, if you will, in our lives. And we say, well, God's people did and God's gracious and God's... He is. Those are all true. But yet, we're supposed to be striving and moving forward, as Hebrews says. They're there for us so that we don't do that again. And yet we still do it. God knows. But let's not be like this. Let's not... At the moment of our salvation, when the foundation was, this is the parallel, where the foundation was laid in our lives, all of a sudden get distracted by things, and then we don't do God's work. We're not building with God. No, we're not building a temple. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you and I, if we're Christians, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I, amen. I love that. God lives in us. He's not bound by some kind of physical building or structure, and yet he chooses to come inside my tiny little body in light of the greatness of this universe, if you will. He lives in my heart spiritually. He lives there, and he resides there. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it's supposed to be being built up. We're supposed to work with God as we submit to him and obey him and follow his orders. And we advance his kingdom. We're working with God. Don't be distracted. And so they five times... Consider your ways. Let me just give you a real quick rundown, all right, 
of three simple action steps that we should take so that we adjust our attitude so that we are mindful or that we, even more than mindful, we should be mindful, but that we are engaged and we are excited and enthusiastic about the Lord's work. And I know that's a big umbrella, the Lord's work. It's a, it's a, there's a lot there, but let's leave it like that intentionally, the Lord's work. The first thing that we should do is that we will have a proper attitude if we just review our priorities. You want to have an attitude adjustment? If you're honest about your priorities and you take a review, it can help you to make adjustments so that getting back to building and doing God's work in His kingdom comes into focus and becomes a priority. Look at verse 4. I didn't read the whole text, but verse 4 says, Is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses, or paneled houses, your translation might say, and this house lies in waste or is desolate? Is it time for that? God is asking, what is, your priority has become bettering your life, doing everything for your ease and your comfort and your convenience. What about my work? What about my work? Now, listen, you might be listening and saying, yeah, I'm busy, I'm doing stuff. I know. Don't get offended. If you're, if you're okay, you won't be, if I will say, offended or convicted. But if you're convicted or bothered by that and you're squirming, well, then maybe you need to start thinking about how you're engaged in working with the Lord to build up His kingdom and to have your own life built up in Him. Just a thought. Listen, you are going to, you're going, when you review and you think about your priorities and what's most important high in your list, you can realign your priorities in simple ways. First of all, prefer the concerns of God over your own. Prefer God's concerns over your own. Now, what is God concerned about? He's concerned about souls. God is concerned about righteousness. God is, con- and on the heels of that, he's concerned of a, of a proper representation of who he is by those who are citizens of his kingdom and Christians, believers in his church, the body of Christ. That's what he's looking. He's concerned about those things. He's concerned about that. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What is it that you're seeking? What is it that's priority? What are you most concerned and consumed with? Is it God? Is it his work? Whatever that might look for in your con- look like in your context and in your life. But are we working with God and for God? Listen, God blesses. God blesses people who put him first. He always does and make him the center of their lives. Not even first, the center. That was the first song we sang. Oh Christ, be the center of our lives. Be the place we fix our eyes. Where are your eyes fixed on? Where are your priorities? Seek the salvation of others and seek to produce fruit for your master. If you want to check that out, you can do a simple search and say, what is the fruit of a Christian in the Bible? And you'll find all kinds of scriptures that will show what God is looking for, what he's concerned about in your life that he wants to see happening. So not only that, you don't just prefer the concerns of God over your own, but you're going to prefer the glory of God over your own glory. Just simply humble yourself. Humble yourself. That will bring the realization of the greatness of God and the fact that He deserves all the glory. Now, let me just make it really simple. It's not a perfect analogy. Most aren't. But the Queen of England, right? 
We all know about the king of England. And we don't have a king here in our region or in our town. Or we don't, some people think they're kings, but we, we, don't, we don't have kings per se, right? But we have the queen of England, and, or she's not, she has influence, don't get me wrong. But it's been such just a symbolic and figure kind of thing, right? But here's the truth, that even the queen of England, when she's in public, gets all the praise. She's getting praise. She's getting praise and people are, 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 are glorying in her glory, if you will, because she's the queen of England. And, you know, when you, the, the king or the queen always receives that glory in public and in private too. But it looks different a lot of times because in public, there's all this praise and shouting and everything's loud and you're awesome, you're great, you're this. Or if not, you're just kind of there in the sidelines watching, that's fine, but it's loud, right? People are praising, clapping, shouting. But if you were one-on-one with Queen Elizabeth, you wouldn't be shouting praises and trying to score brownie points with her. You would be reverent. You'd be reverent. There's a place for both, right? But don't seek your own glory. Seek the glory of God. Praise Him and revere Him. Do it publicly, but when you're one-on-one, man, you are reverent. You are just broken. You're bowed down. You realize, I am sitting before majesty. In fact, the King of the universe. Everything around me is His. Forget my glory. Forget my accomplishments. Forget all the pats on the back I should get. I'm going to lift up Jesus. What's your priority? Because in 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, Whatsoever therefore you eat or drink or do, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. What's your priority? Review those. And it will help you adjust your attitude regarding even the work of the Lord. Secondly, you can have a proper attitude towards God's work by renewing your perseverance. Yeah, renew it, because sometimes we get tired and, and we get weary and, and our energies run out and, and our diligence wanes and fades. You know, idleness brings a curse. That's just a principle. It's a truth. And the Proverbs talk about that in six and other chapters in Proverbs. If you don't do nothing, your hands are folded, there's a curse that comes along with that. We won't talk about that. That's not the place right now. But there's, it's not good when you're idle. No good. There's no production. Nothing is being produced. And the, the people of Israel were busy, if you will, doing other things except building the temple, doing God's work, in the zeal for their own homes and making them awesome and putting in the backyard pool and getting that special wood from Lebanon and their ceilings and their walls and getting that special granite from Italy, you know, whatever. That's what they were all consumed about, but God's house and his work was at a standstill. Be diligent about God's work. Verse 2 says in Haggai 1, The people say, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Why? It's not time yet. i got to take care of my own stuff. i got this on the agenda. i got this thing in my life cycle coming up. i got to prepare. i got to do this. i got to plan. i got to spend money. i got energies. And yet, the whole time, God's work is on the shelf. Oh, be careful. Be careful. Review your perseverance. And listen, never, never give up when you start doing the work for the Lord. Don't stop. We work regardless of the pay. Sometimes all the things that we do for the Lord, it doesn't seem like we get an immediate return, right? But I do know that one day when we see him face to face, like the Apostle Paul said, I can't wait to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. And I'm hoping to hear that. I expect to hear that because of his grace 
and because of the strength He gives me to serve Him. Serve Him with all your strength. All your strength means all your strength. Because if you do a half-hearted job, usually means that there needs to be a wholehearted repair. Right? You do something half-hearted, and you come back and you spend two, three, four times as much time fixing it and making it right again. Let's not waste time. Let's not spend time fixing what could have been done the right way if we were diligent, we worked hard, and we were focused on Jesus because he's our priority and his work. Galatians 6, 9. Don't be weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Lastly, if you want to have a proper attitude towards God's work, you need to remember God's promises. Can I just remind you again and repeat myself? Because how many times from Pastor Dan, myself, other sermons you've heard, Bible studies you've been in, things you listen to online, other pastors, teachings, whatever it is, how many times and how often do you go back to the promises of God? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. If you really want to keep God's work at the forefront of your mind, heart, and, and your reason for being here, you're going to remember God's promises. They will be close to your heart and in your mind. In verse 13 of chapter 1, God says, I am with you. Get to work, and then he says, I am with you. And in chapter 2, verse 4, to Zerubbabel, who is the one who's going to take leadership of the whole building project, he says the exact same thing to him. I am with you. My spirit will be with you. God is with you. And when he says that, he promises, he means it. Do you remember he said at the Great Commission before he ascended, I will be with you till the end of the age. But what did he say? Before that, if I could just generically summarize, he said, be busy about my work. Go, preach, teach, baptize, do my work. You're my representatives, spread the word, be faithful, build the kingdom as I build it through you and build up the body of Christ because you're part of the living stones that are being fitted together that Peter says in his epistle. I am with you. When, when we hear those words, it should do something for us. It should create such a confidence in us that no matter what comes our way, no matter what distractions, no matter what other things that, that will try to derail us in our work, that God is with us. He'll, he'll empower us and enable us to do everything that we ought to do. Now, in chapter 2 and verse 3 and verse 9, there are two things that are stated there. The, the people of God are, are squirming and they're getting a little edgy because they're realizing that the foundation that was built was smaller than Solomon's temple. And they were in their minds envisioning and picturing that this, this temple is not going to be as nice. It's not going to be as grand and beautiful where we come to worship God together. But God says something there. And in verse 3, he says, why do you compare and think of it as being nothing? And in verse 9, he says, the glory of this temple is going to be greater. My glory will be there. How many times have you been through, can I come back to that parallel of our lives, where you've been in captivity to things and you go through these cycles and then again, you, you go back to that foundation and you, you, you build up or, or you add another plank you know, or a timber to the wall in your life and then you go through a cycle, you do nothing and you come back because God's good and he's faithful and he chases you and then he's saying, listen, you need, you need to get your priorities straight, man. You got to review them. 
Come on, renew your perseverance. Get to work. Be diligent. And he says, remember my promise. I'm with you. How many times when we do that, think about it. Do we, do we make comparisons? Oh, but man, back in the day when I had this, or that somebody else, that foundation over there, that person's life, look at their foundation. Their roots are so deep, and their walls are so high. You don't do that. When God promises you that if you get to work, and he's going to fill you, you as the temple of God, with his glory, he means it. His glory will be in you and flow through you. God's glory will fill your life. God's never, promises never fail, so hang on to them. Let them carry you through. Be faithful, be diligent, and persevere. And listen, make it number one on your list. Make it top on your list, if you will. Make it the center, in fact, of your life to do the Lord's will, work. Every day, everywhere. I need that help. You need that help. We need this reminder. God, keep us on track. So, you can see that your attitude towards God's work can be a little different. Well, it actually got better with God's people. But if we follow suit, and if we do, and we follow their lead, we can have a proper attitude about God's work by looking at our priorities, how we persevere, and remembering the promises of God. Would you do that today? I close by reading Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, and then we'll pray. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. The Bible says in these simple verses here, where is Hebrews 10? I'm sorry, Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 12. That's why I couldn't find it. Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 12. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. And I like this. Well, I don't like it, but I like it because it's true. That you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The way we do that is by doing God's work. We do it with Him high on our priority list. We persevere and we hold on to His promises. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this word this morning. I pray, Lord, that as we go through this day and throughout this week, we would be reminded of these truths, these principles really to adhere to in our lives. That, Lord, we've got to reevaluate and review our priorities. You've got, we've got to seek You first. Help us to make You first so that our attitude about your work would be proper. God, I pray that we would persevere. And if we're waning in that area, if we're struggling, if we're tired, we're weary, help us to renew that by, by coming to you and, and drawing from you the grace and the strength that we need from your spirit. And God, I pray that your promises would propel us and give us confidence to keep going and not stop until the end, because we know one day we'll see you face to face. And our desire is to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us, Lord, we ask. And we uh, know that you will, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. God bless you. Uh, be diligent and faithful in your work for the Lord. Amen.